0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of Saint Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our studies in the book of Daniel. And today we're going to be looking at Daniel's key to understanding biblical prophecy. And I'll even expand that a little bit. Daniel's key to understanding all of biblical prophecy. But before we get there, I have an announcement to make. Luke 21 Radio, after we finish finished the book of Daniel, we're gonna take your questions. We wanna ask answer your questions that you have about biblical prophecy or what the Catechism of the Catholic Church may say about biblical prophecy, or the church fathers, or the popes. So, I invite you to send me your questions to askthehost at gmail.com. You can start sending your questions today. You don't have to wait till we finish Daniel. There's only one rule for your questions, and that rule is that the questions have to be 100 words or less. you are going to have to kind of work at getting it succinct because I can't spend an entire episode reading lengthy questions. And just remember, my focus and my study and my background is with the Bible, the Church Fathers, the Popes, and the Catechism regarding prophecy. I don't usually focus on private revelation. That's an expertise I'd like the Vatican to handle or somebody else with more background than myself. I will will touch on it, but that's not the focus. So send your prophecy questions to askthehost at gmail.com, and we will contact you what episode will contain your questions. So start sending your biblical prophecy questions, and it can be on anything we've covered so far or something we haven't covered. All right, in Daniel 2, in the last episode, we covered Daniel's teaching about a succession of four world empires or kingdoms ruled by a king of kings, in other words, an empire that encompassed other nations, other kingdoms, lesser kings. And this was through Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and Daniel had the answer to this dream given to him by God. And then we saw that there was a fifth kingdom distinct from this succession of four world empires that was the kingdom of God that, unlike the world empires that passed away with time, this fifth final kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, is eternal. Really what I want to do today is try to give you a glimpse of how incredibly important of what we just covered, because Daniel's key to interpreting Scripture and biblical prophecy, particularly the book of Revelation, for many people, it is so confusing. And I dare say that nine out of 10 Catholics who have studied the book of Revelation may not be able to give you the prime focus of the entire book. What's the book about? Dr. Beale's commentary on Revelation, I forgot how long it is, it's 8 or 900 pages, and it's my favorite commentary on the book of Revelation, says this, Daniel chapter two provides the contextual framework for the whole of the apocalypse, in other words, What Daniel teaches in Daniel chapter two, the conflict between the kingdoms, the four worldly kingdoms, the fifth eternal kingdom, kingdom, that's the contextual framework for the whole of the book of Revelation. He goes on, the illusions in Daniel two in Revelation are intentionally forming the outline of Revelation. The dream in Daniel two provides a crucial framework within which to interpret the content of Revelation. And what's that? The latter-day judgment on that final world kingdom and the eternal establishment of God's kingdom. Here's another interpreter, Grant Osborne, 869-page commentary on Revelation, and this is what he says, and I quote, It seems clear that the primary theme of the book of Revelation is the sovereignty of God. The framework of the book is built around the sovereign kingship of God. How many people realize that this is the main theme of the book of Revelation, and it comes straight out of Daniel chapter 2? Now, I'll even go beyond this, because guess what is the primary theme of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels? heard every mass in Catholic churches around the world. Here we've been in the gospel of Luke this year for, uh, what, 10 or more months. So what's the primary message of Luke and the other three gospels? Well, according to N.T. Wright, which I would argue, who's an Anglican biblical scholar, one of the world's leading biblical scholars, says that the primary message of all four gospels is how God became king of the world through Jesus Christ. That's the primary message of the Gospels. Uh, And if you want a little background on Luke, go to our companion broadcast, the Faith and Family Radio, episode 255. It's available on all the places you can listen to podcasts online. And In addition, you can write us at askthehost at gmail.com, and I have a handout on kingdom references in the Gospel of Luke. I don't even include Acts, and did you know that the primary message of evangelism, guess what? The kingdom of God, and Daniel 2 is one of those key places for this to arise. Okay, so... The kingdom of God is in the Gospels. The kingdom of God is the primary focus. That's why we see so much of the throne in the book of Revelation, and this is where the conflict will come between the kingdoms of the world and the final battle between the Antichrist, basically enthroning himself and mankind with him, so to speak, as the substitute king of the world, and this is where the conflict will come. Now, here is the central prophecy question, and it's a question, believe it or not, by those uh, of our Protestant friends who are exceedingly knowledgeable about the content of Scripture. In other words, knowing the chapters, knowing the verses, knowing the content of Revelation, knowing the content of Daniel, I mean, uh, it's so commendable the amount of biblical data they, they're they aware of, but there's a huge question, the central prophecy question that generally is not asked by those in Protestant circles believing in the rapture at any moment. And I myself spent years, hundreds of hours, studying biblical prophecy and never was challenged to ask this more primary question, and the primary question isn't when the rapture is going to occur. That's a sub-question. We're going to learn that in a minute. The major prophecy question is, and you can put it in two ways, when does the millennium begin? Remember the millennium is that thousand-year period mentioned in Revelation chapter 20, But another way of asking the same question that perhaps brings much greater clarity is, when does the kingdom of God begin? Or to put it in Daniel 2 terminology, when does the fifth kingdom of Daniel begin? Because the millennium is the kingdom reign of Jesus and, I would dare say the people studying prophecy the most, in the United States at least, are those who believe that the kingdom will begin when Jesus comes back the second time at the end of history. And so it's something definitely future, and then they basically give themselves, uh, given that question, and really not asking the question, just assuming it, that's yet future, the kingdom begins, and then they start concentrating on the rapture question, when that is going to occur. So, the central question, when does the kingdom begin? Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, one single verse, I'll tell you, this opens up a world of understanding. And when you see this, and I want to speak for a moment to my Protestant friends who might be listening, who don't hold to the view of the present kingdom, just ask yourself this question and then take all the data you know, all the scripture verses you know, and see if they plug in synthetically and consistently with this truth. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall its sovereignty be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms. Well, when did the God of heaven set up his kingdom? Well, it was that fourth world empire, Rome, where Jesus came, and what Even before he opened his mouth and started declaring why he came, John the Baptist came announcing the kingdom. And then Jesus began preaching the kingdom. And then St. Paul at the end of Acts, what is he teaching on when he's imprisoned in Rome? The kingdom. That is the main message. And it's in the days of those kings that the God of heaven set up a kingdom. It was the first coming of Jesus, not the second. And, you know, a big hint is that some of the last words that Jesus left us all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you have a Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 664, being seated at the Father's right hand, this is Daniel 7, signifies the inauguration of the Messiah's kingdom. It's the fulfillment of the prophet Daniel's vision. And so, One of the most fundamental facts of human history for the last 2,000 years is that God the Father has established his son, Jesus Christ, as king of the world. Now, I fully realize that this is totally eclipsed in the modern world. We're happy with a little religious freedom so we don't have to bake cakes for same-sex weddings or whatever, but no, modern governments and the contemporary church has created a vacuum, a kingdom vacuum that's gonna be filled by a really bad guy. Now, I'm gonna give you a sentence that will open up the entire rapture question, okay? The premillennial viewpoint believes that Christ's kingdom has not yet begun, and it will begin in the future at the second coming, okay? Now, the rapture at any moment view, that's the dispensational view, hear this, is one of the three sub-varieties of that premillennial view, which means that the kingdom begins in the future at the second coming. So if the pre-mill view is wrong, all three of the sub-varieties of pre-mill, including the rapture at any moment, is wrong as well. So (laughs) all of this ink is spilled as far as when the rapture begins, but the rapture view is dependent, it's a subcategory under the pre-mill view. And if the pre-mill view, which doesn't recognize the presence of the kingdom is wrong, then the rapture theory is wrong as well. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 145 of Luke 21 Radio.